I'm Roman Johnson, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Earthlings, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast. We're so glad to have you. This is the audio show where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire church leaders to get better. And today, here in the promised land of Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm looking out the window of the studio and I'm seeing gloom. I'm seeing rain. I'm seeing coldness. I'm feeling coldness. There's clouds in the sky. And I'm going to be honest, it's slightly bumming me out. But don't you think for a second... That is going to stop us from making a great podcast episode today. We have a featured speaker that I am pumped about. He is easily one of the most influential, creative, and innovative leaders that I have had the pleasure of knowing. He's someone I look up to greatly. I'm sure a lot of you know who he is. His name is Pastor Whit George, and he is the executive pastor of Church on the Move here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jared Hogue actually had the opportunity to go sit down with Whit and pick his brain for a little bit. Uh, more than a little bit, actually. We talked to him for about an hour, so we're going to split this episode up into two podcasts. We normally like to keep these things to about 30 minutes, but we didn't feel like we could cut anything out because it's that good. So I say we just get to it. I'm going to throw it over to Jared Hogue interviewing Pastor Whit George. Well, it's Jared Hogue here with Whit George, the executive pastor of Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Whit, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Absolutely. Let's just jump right in. Okay. Do you think creativity is simply a spark of inspiration? No, I don't. Um, I think that's part of the creative process, maybe the beginning of what I would think of as a creative process. Creativity is so very, really, I think creativity ultimately is just solving a problem, um, finding a solution to a particular problem that you have. And I think anybody can do that. I think if you're an accountant, you can be a creative accountant, obviously within the boundaries of the law. If you're a lawyer, you can be a creative lawyer, again, obviously within the boundaries of the law. But I'm just saying what it means is sometimes there are challenges that we face. As a parent, I face challenges with my kids that I have to figure out how to solve that challenge, that problem. And to me, creativity is the ability to assess a problem and then develop a solution. I think what we think of often when we say creativity is we think of art, and I don't think art and creativity are the same thing. I think art is something that requires creativity, but I think they're different things. So I think the problem of art is a problem of communication. You know, how, do I, how am I going to communicate what I'm feeling? And that's really the challenge of an artist is to figure out how can I, how can I communicate what I want to communicate? How can I say what I want to say? What is true to me? That's really the challenge of an artist. If you're a filmmaker, how can I tell the story? It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a communication issue. Whereas somebody else may have, you know, uh, an engineer may have a different creative problem to solve. It's not going to be a communication issue. It's going to be an engineering uh, problem that they're going to solve or an architect could solve, a, you know, a, a, a structural problem or a design problem within a, you know, um, a building or whatever it is that they're designing. But in the end, I think that spark is what we would kind of think of as the aha moment to here's how I might solve that problem. Here's a way I might solve that problem. But I wouldn't say that a spark of inspiration is really to describe what creativity is for me. And to give a little context here too, you, yeah. I, I know we described you as the executive pastor here at the church. Previ- this has just happened within the last 
yeah. year or so, something like that? Yeah, six months. Yeah. Okay, six months. Prior to that, you were the art was it arts director, was that mm-hmm. your title prior to that? Yeah. So you oversaw all the, basically anything visual that Church on the Move did, that, that was you. Visual communications, a lot of branding decisions, music, production. Basically, if, yeah, we were kind of the voice of the church as I was to oversee it at that point. You know, that's, that's what we did. It's funny, I, I do get, I, I get asked now, people want to know, hey, do you miss doing, and this kind of speaks to the first question, so I bring it up, but um, do you miss doing the art, arts thing? And the answer is no, I don't. Not because I was bored with it, but because I find that the same skills that I use to solve, again, solving an artistic challenge and solving an organizational challenge, which is really what I'm doing now, are the same thing. It's just different problems to solve. So I, I, I it's a, it's an itch. I'm, I don't know. I, 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 in some ways think of myself as an artist, and other ways I think of myself not as an artist. And I don't know where I fit in all of that. It doesn't really matter, but. I'm solving a different set of challenges now than I used to. I'm scratching the same itch that I was scratching when I was doing the arts thing or pushing the same button, whatever you want to call it. I'm doing it now. It's just in a different way. Right. Um, What I love about that is just that for a long time, it was something I struggled with. I never viewed myself as a creative person Mm. because I'm not good. I can't draw a picture. Right. A stick figure doesn't even look like a a human when I draw it. Sure. uh, or play guitar or any anything like that. That's always what I viewed creativity as. Yeah. But the way you just described it, I think, is incredible because there's so many people out there that feel like, oh, I don't have this incredible gift. Yeah. Like, but uh, you do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the Bible says that everybody has a gift. And yeah, we're, we're created in the image of God. God, you know, God creates things in a different way than we do. I mean, God made something from nothing. So if you read, you know, the, and if you take the Genesis creation account to be literal in some way, and I do, then it means that God made the earth from nothing. And the, in other words, there was nothing, and then there was an earth. It, or There was no light, and then there was light. How he did it, we could, we could debate, but I, God makes something from nothing. It, our creativity is different in that we make everything every, every one of us make is something that's, we're making it from things that have already been made. We, we are really just stewards of the resources that we've been given. And I think that's what creativity is all about. So you have a particular, there's something you're good at, whatever it is, if you're digging post holes or you're you know, an architect or a product designer or whatever the heck you do, you, you have a gift somewhere. If, if you're a parent, I mean, you have a gift somewhere and it's that gift, wherever you're, you're, you're kind of gifted by God to do whatever it is that you do, you have the capacity, I think, for creativity in that area, which just means you have the, the capacity for solving a problem, for finding a better way to do it. Otherwise, we keep doing everything the way it's always been done. And that's really what creativity is, is looking at, at something and going, hey, this could be done in a different way. Let's do this differently. We could solve this problem. Let's jump back just a little bit, back sure. to kind of the spark of inspiration idea. Um, and I'll just pick on a, a, a piece that I saw here at Church on the Move that I loved. Um, whether it be the drummer boy that was done several years ago at, at Christmas or even the Thriller Grinch piece. I know that mm-hmm. one comes up quite a bit in what I've read of yours. And, sure. Um, that didn't, it wasn't just like, I know your rotisserie was the shower for a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, it wasn't like you got in the shower and it was just like, holy crap, I've got this idea and we're going to yeah. put Michael Jackson with the Grinch and it's going to be incredible and here's how we're going to do it. Right. Maybe talk to that just for a second, like, 
the process of how that came about? Well, it's long. I think it's a lot longer than most people think that it is. One of the, not to interrupt you. Yeah. When you say long, like give yeah. me a time frame. How well, long? Well, okay. That so take? imagine if you thought of almost only one thing for three weeks. Yeah, that's a long time. No, yeah. I mean, and that's how I work. So. Uh, my kids, I was just talking to my kids about this this morning because they were asking as we're getting closer to Christmas, you know, am I going to be involved in Christmas this year at the church? I am, but not to the same degree I've been involved in the, la- in the last few years. And they're asking me about this. And I just told them, well, I can't, I can't physically think about Christmas in the same way that I used to, which was basically around this time of the year, I would just go into Christmas mental mode, whatever, as all I would be thinking about was Christmas literally 24 hours a day. Uh, I would wake up thinking about it, drive to, you know, my kids to school thinking about it. I meet about it. It's, it's all-consuming. So, you know, three weeks doesn't sound like that long. It was a little longer than that probably. But in terms of physical time, I don't even remember how long it is. But still, though, if you did nothing but concentrate on one thing for that long, it's a long time to be thinking about something, but it takes, I don't know how everybody else is, but for me, it just takes me that long. I'm just not that quick of a thinker. So I may have like, you said a spark. Well, that's definitely part of the process. There is that spark where you go, wow, this might, you know, there might be something, you know, with the Grinch thing. I, there's a few different things that kind of provided a spark. Some stuff I saw at Disney, I saw Villains Parade they did, and I thought, hey, how cool is this? You could do Villains. There's a lot of kids around, young children, we're not freaking anybody out, and yet there's these villains, and I thought, what if we could do this with Christmas? You know, you could take something wholesome like Disney and Christmas, they're kind of the same, Mm. and then introduce this villainous aspect to it. What could happen? And the Grinch came to mind. I didn't know how we would use him. You know, uh, Michael Jackson popped in there somehow, and you just start thinking, what if we could put these things together? Again, the, the first part of that process, you just, I'm not, it's not like, wow, this could be amazing. It's like, maybe this could work. I don't even know. And you just, you get comfortable voicing anything. What if? What if we tried this? And just trying to, to run it down a path till it, it totally falls apart. And the ideas that don't break down uh, under the weight of all that anal- analyzing and thinking that you're going to do over the course of weeks and months, those are the good ones. A lot of them won't make it past 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, there's ideas that I've had for just a fleeting second, and you're like, that'll be fantastic. And then within a few minutes of thinking it through, you're like, oh, that'll, that'll never work. I don't like that anymore or whatever. So it's the stuff that has some staying power that kind of you stay with it. But anyway, I, I don't even know if that answers your question. Well, even No, it definitely does. And I, even to jump back just a little bit there, you saw the, the villain parade at Disney. Yeah. And then you said that somehow Michael Jackson got in there. If I'm not mistaken, I read, I read something you wrote oh, yeah. that said, I think you, you saw, it was like a Michael Jackson thing. I did. I was just, I was giving you the condensed version. Yeah. So I was at Disney and I saw, I just happened to see a guy. He was a sax player. He was a street performer. He finished his, um, he finished his, sax playing or whatever and he he put it down put on some background music and one of the songs was thriller i still remember white middle class looking suburban couple walking uh down the the strip there at downtown disney not who you would think would be rabid michael jackson fans and 
they're singing every word. Of course, Thriller is massive. So, I mean, we all know it. It's not like ludicrous to think that those people would know it. But I just, I just remember at that point being struck by the power of that song and how far-reaching it was. I didn't really give it a second thought. And then when I started thinking about the idea of the Grinch, I started thinking, how could we pair this with something? I don't really want to sing the song, The Grinch, because it's, it, well, it's just lame. For me, it, it didn't speak to what we wanted to do, the kind of moment I was trying to create. So I was like thinking, how could I use, is there a way? That, that's the great thing about using popular songs is they're, they're popular. So people know them, yeah. so you have instant buy-in when you play them. It's the trick is finding the right one to go with the right material. And when I started to think about Michael Jackson, I, the, the first song I thought of was Beat It. I don't even know why that song popped in my head. But after a little analyzing, it kind of arrived at the idea of, wait a second, Thriller seems to be like a more appropriate kind of song. And then I saw uh, a flash dance of Thriller on YouTube that was local. And I watched how the people in the area that were where this flash dance was done responded to the thriller dance. And I just remember thinking, wow, if we could ever get to that point, if we could ever get on stage where people are doing the thriller dance and the audience accepts it as not being this, why are we doing this right now? But if it makes sense in the context of this Christmas thing, it would be so cool. And then that's my problem. So that's where I start to think through, okay, how do I get to that point? How do we get where, how can I possibly make it where it makes sense that a Grinch and a bunch of random Christmas zombies would be dancing at Christmas time? What, to the Thriller, what sense does this make? But somehow, that was the problem, and so basically over the next several weeks, you're wrestling with how you can make it work, and eventually we figured out how to do it. And I imagine, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but it's, yeah. it wasn't a matter of you just sitting in a room by yourself. Oh, just, Lord, no grinding over this idea it was more so bouncing off other team members and yeah and like you said just thinking about it over and over and over but it wasn't just you no as a lot of people it's constant pitching i i believe in the power of pitching which is to say talk about your ideas to the same people over and over again for me it's just a matter of he it's not so much their reaction that I'm looking at, it's how I feel about their reaction that tells me a lot about my idea. So if I said I'm thinking about doing this, like just, okay, so before we started rolling this podcast, you were asking about it like a communications guy that we're doing here at the church. So I start pitching it to you, and I'm watching your reaction to this, and I'm looking at where are the holes, like what I can tell something, you don't fully grasp exactly what I'm saying just yet. So it's through pitching ideas to other people that you can see their flaws because in your own mind, you kind of make up, you smooth out the, the parts that are lacking. So especially this happens in humor. When we're writing humor, early on you're trying to write humor and it's like you think you have something really funny and in your mind it's hilarious and then you go to pitch it to somebody. It's the whole, hey, you had to be there thing whenever you're telling a story because in your mind you fill in all the gaps and you can imagine the scenario and the setting and all of that. But the person you're telling it to doesn't know. And it's only when you start to tell them, because in your mind you think, oh, this is going to be funny and they're going to laugh so much at this. That's why you say, well, you had to be there because you realize it's falling woefully <laughs> short, right, of what happened. Yeah. And that's how ideas are. You have these ideas and it's like, well, you, you have to have this kind of you had to be there thing. And when I, see the, when I see that look in people's faces, I realize I haven't thought this all the way through yet. So I keep talking about it, oftentimes to the same people just so that I can find those creative gaps, those places where it's just not making sense yet. 
Yeah. And again, to kind of jump back here, um, you wrote a blog talking about seeking to discover, and then even, I think you said this years ago, and maybe I'm making this up, yeah. but uh, always having your radar up. Yeah. That you're always, you're like everything you're seeing, you kind of process as, this as maybe filing this away as something that you can use later, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people fall short on, and that they think creativity is kind of the wave of inspiration that just hits you, yeah. rather than constantly being on the pursuit of, of something. Um, whatever that may be. So for you, what, that's how you found the Grinch yeah. in, in this, as you saw the villain parade, you saw, you saw this. You're just ready, and all it, the time yeah. ready. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, I guess I do it in a different way than I used to now. When I was planning services and working in communications type things, that was the main problem, was a communication problem. I was always looking at I was just always ready for a song, anything that I thought could communicate what we might need to communicate. So I'm trying to build this massive library mentally of stuff. Other people probably do it better than I do or have a better organization for this. If you had you know, an Evernote file that just has stuff in it. Right now, I'm doing a lot more preaching and teaching, and so I have an Evernote file that doesn't have a whole lot in it, but I'm building it now of just... It's not even sermon ideas, it's possible sermon illustrations, things my kids say and do that I'm like, I gotta remember that, because that could be a, a, a useful story to me. Um, so just kind of categorizing or cataloging all that stuff and saying, here it all is, is a big thing for me, because maybe other people are smarter than me, but for, for me, I just had to always be on the lookout, because if I knew that if I was gonna be creative on demand, I needed some kind of reservoir of material that I could be pulling from. And so I was always looking for things that moved me, basically. If I liked a movie or if I laughed at something or something made me cry, I would always try to think and deconstruct that feeling and figure out why I felt the way that I did to see if I could manipulate it or use it in a way. That's a bad word, I know, in church, but manipulation, you you do use it. I mean, I'm using... I'm creating emotional experiences for people, not to force them to think a certain way, but to get them to feel what I feel. I mean, that's what any communicator does, is like, I want you to laugh about something that I find funny, but creating the right circumstances for that, there's so much psychology to all of that, that um, if you just don't take those things into account, you'll miss, you'll miss so much. I was listening to Alec Baldwin the other day talk about Meryl Streep and how she knows how to act to a cut and force a cut in a scene by the way she acts. And I just thought, wow, there's a level of acting that I don't even know anything about. I always just thought it was about being believable, but they were talking about, you know, beats and how they know, hit it at this beat, hit it at this beat, emphasize this word, push over here. I'm like, wow, this is such a craft that is so much, goes so much further than just, you know, being good at, at, imitating someone or whatever yeah. is like being having a talent for acting there's a, such a such a, a craft to this and I want to learn those things because those are that's the when I was in the arts that was the world that I played in so I would devour all that kind of stuff because again you're trying to build this reservoir of, of material yeah so with building that reservoir where do you look who's inspiring to you what what is inspiring to you where where do you look well 
I mean, now I'm not, I'll just be honest, I'm not, I don't look as much as I used to because I don't have to anymore. It's, I'm not, I'm not in charge of arts like I was, so I'm not as focused on it as I used to be. When I was, um, I guess I was just, I don't know, you know, there are certain filmmakers that I like, I could list, you know, I like David Fincher and I've liked uh, the Coen brothers and I like people who, um, I like, you know, Pixar, they made great movies. Uh, a lot of the more recent Disney movies have been really good. Um, really anywhere that I would find something as a film or a piece of music or whatever. There was nothing, I don't know, I, I didn't have like a, like a secret stash of stuff. Like I said, honestly, it was just, what am I listening to now? I, basically, I was, I was very mercenarial about everything that I did. So if I'm listening to a record a lot, I would I would I would always ask myself, can I leverage this? Is there a way I can use this? No. And a lot of it you just say, I can't think of a way I can use this song. I love this song. So if I ever found myself going, I love this song, my next thought would be, can I use it? How can I use it? Is there a way I could do something with this? Or if I can't use this song, can I do something else like this song? Is there a way I could use this moment? I was always just looking, it's like a puzzle. Um, you know, where you have pieces and you're just kind of picking up different pieces and going, does this fit? Does this match? And most of them, you're going to go, no, no, no. But occasionally, like with Thriller, you're going to go, oh, wow, this totally fits. This is cool. And so that's how, like, literally everything, anything that I saw that I liked and even some things that I didn't like, I was just putting, plugging the puzzle pieces in going, can I use this? And let's see if it works. You and your wife took a trip to Paris, was it this past summer? Mm-hmm, in May. And um, one thing I thought was fascinating, an article I read that you wrote, you talked about how beautiful everything is there. And, yeah. um, and Church on the Move creates a lot of really amazing stuff. And, but but what, I, what I really liked about this article is how you said, because I think it's so easy to get focused on like the big picture and like mm-hmm. I've got this great idea but yours was kind of the antithesis of that and that, hey, let's focus on the small things. Yeah. Expand on that a little bit. Well, so I was in Paris and the I was I was in specifically the, what do you call it, something, the, the National Opera. It's this inc- unbelievable building that we honestly just wandered uh, by. We were standing... Uh, we were walking down the sidewalk, and you just see this building. You're like, oh, my gosh, look at that. So you stand there and stare at it for a few minutes, and then you realize, oh, you can go in for for, for some money. And so we went over there and paid the, the fee and went in, and you just tour around this building. And anyways, I found my way into this hall. I, I, I posted a picture of it to this blog post that you're referring to that I wrote about it. And um, the level of detail is just spectacular. I mean, you see just... Every corner of the room, there's literally not, uh, like, hardly any smooth space anywhere in the room. It's all carved. It's, it's just stunning. It's totally different than, than um, just American, you know, kind of flat architecture, which is cool. It's fine. But, I mean, one of the things that you just notice in Paris is that there's no beige boxes, you know, big Best Buy kind of situation. It's all so different architecturally. And so I just... That kind of dovetailed in with something that I had been thinking about previous to this trip, and it was just, what does it take to kind of get down to that level of detail? And when you see something done really well, uh, the tendency is to feel like, it's, it's to be intimidated by it. I am. 
And you, you know, you, you see Pixar and you go, wow, they're working on a film for four years and the detail that they put into their movies. And if you really ever scratch beneath the surface of their films, it's stunning what they put into them. And you just think, oh my gosh, you know, where do I ever begin? And especially for those of us on smaller teams and you're trying to figure out, you know, I don't have the budget for this. I don't have the players for that. I, I just can't do it. And so there's this tendency to kind of look at all of it together and go, oh, there's just no way. And so I started thinking about a way that how could people improve? How could we improve our situation when it seems so overwhelming to do so? And I just started thinking, I think one way you could do this is just to approach it. And this is kind of what's worked for us. It's just to approach whatever it is that you do or the big, you know, giant list of responsibilities that you do and break them down into individual responsibilities. So, for instance, in our kind of church context, that's running lyrics for the service, I just asked the question, what if that was all you did? What if for the next two weeks you said, I do nothing? And I'm not suggesting that you actually do this, but it's just an interesting exercise that if you said, if someone hired you and said, I'm going to pay you your same salary as you're making now, but I don't want you to do anything, but just make sure that the lyrics are the very best that they can be on the screen. It leads you down a like a, a, a trail of thought maybe that you haven't been down before just simply because you're looking at everything. But if you look at just one thing and you say, well, what if my job was only to do that one thing and to do it as good as it could possibly be done, then you start to think about things from a different perspective. So I started asking the question, you know, what would come to mind if that was all I did? And I would start to learn about typefaces. I would start to learn about how people read um how people read typography, how they respond to it, the timing of, of it, you know, how many lines are best to have on the screen at once. There's a lot of questions and research that you could do that you could kind of come out and you could go, okay, we arrived at, you know, one line was the best or two lines seems to work the best. I, we do two lines right now. And for the love of me, I couldn't tell you exactly why we do it. I think it's better than four because I think four is a little overwhelming. But I mean, there's a lot of things that we do that we just do. One question I ask people is just like, what, what about your pre-service music in a church service? Like, what do you play before your services? Most of the time, it's just whatever music the sound guy wants to play. There's no real thought put into it. Again, what if that was like your only job? What, what would happen if you just thought about that as your only job? What you can do when you work like that, I think, is you can make improvements. They're not like game-changing, groundbreaking, huge strides, but they just... It's just little by little, and eventually over time, what you're going to find is that you're going to look back and go, wow, I, there's a lot of detail in all of this. I can tell you why I do everything that I do and, how, and, and why we do it this way, just because I've thought it all the way through, and I've put the effort into it. And I think most of us just, again, it's easy to get overwhelmed with um, looking at all of it together and go, I, I, you know, they have so much more money or they have so many more people, I can never do what they could do when really it happens kind of one piece at a time. And that's what I learned in Paris, is just as you look at the architecture, there's no way to do it in a mass kind of setting. These pieces that are being done are custom. And so somebody cared about the corner of a room or the, the small leaf, you know, in, a, in, a, in an obscure corner that most people are not going to ever even look at or see, but someone cared about it and carved it and made it. That's the amazing thing about these buildings is that many of the guys who started the buildings didn't live long enough to finish them. That's how long they took to construct. But over time, when you're done with it, it's like you could create something that people will travel the world to see. And 
I don't know. I, I I think there's some of that. You look at that. A lot of cathedrals were constructed in that way. I think there's a little of that that's lost in the modern church. It's just, it's a big box. It's flat. There's. I'm not talking about architecture as much as I'm just talking about the effort that we put into these these worship environments and things. One thing I thought was fascinating that you just said right there is that you're intimidated by. I don't know if it, if you're referring to Pixar or the the architecture in Paris or oh, yeah. maybe both. I, I'm not sure which one yeah, you're referring both to. Both probably. Yeah. Um, that I'm shocked by that. Oh really? Yeah, I, I and I and I think maybe it's just because like I'm I'm thinking about kind of the audience maybe listening to this, yeah, and then it may be some smaller churches out there. And if you come to like the Seeds Conference, that's coming sure. up in March, um, and like the opener you did last year when oceans yeah. going into uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm, it, alive, alive. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Incredible moment in the service, yeah. and um, seeing something like that as a maybe a smaller church can just be like. Yeah, it's oh overwhelming. Dear God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can't do Everybody gets like overwhelmed. Everybody at any level gets overwhelmed. It's it's just natural. I would just say it's a lot scarier when the same the same feelings of oh god, how are we going to get this done or is anybody going to care about this? Will this mean anything to anybody? That's everybody. The creative process is is you here's how you know you're not going through the creative process is that it's easy. It just, it's almost never easy. Occasionally, something happens, you're like, wow, that was really, that really came together in an easy way. But almost Would you describe never. dad life as that, as one of those? Yeah, dad life, yeah. Yeah, dad life was easy. It was one of the more yeah. easy ones. But yeah. on the whole, though, yeah. of all of what goes on here at Church on the Move, like... Oh, yeah, they're almost never that way. Gotcha. Dad life was created in a little more than a week, and it was... It was just like the moment we had the idea, we were like, yeah, that works, and I didn't know what would happen with it, how it would explode, but... The rest of everything else pretty much that we do is such a grind. And you know you're going through the process. I've heard it. I don't know who said it. Maybe I think I saw someone from Pixar tweet it, but I think it's absolutely true. The creative process is uh, the first step is this is awesome. So you have the idea. This is awesome. I love this. That Everybody can relate to that. The second step is we, this has some problems. You start to see some of its flaws, some of your idea's flaws. The third step in the process is, this is crap. (laughs) The fourth step gets darker. This is the worst part of the whole thing is, I'm crap. And (laughs) you start to feel terrible about yourself. And what, what, who was I to think that this could be any good? I have no ability whatsoever. I thought I knew what I was doing, and I don't know. And you just know that everybody goes through that. And then the, the fifth step is... Um, this this has some problems. It's just the same as the the second step, and then the the last step is this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it just it goes full circle. It does, where... but there's a really dark place in the middle. Yeah. If you read uh, Creativity Incorporated, um, Ed Catmull gives some really great handles. I forget what he construct. I think is what he called it, something like that for understanding creativity, and everybody has their own. Uh, the way I would describe it to our team was the metaphor. Everybody has their own metaphor for what creativity, how it works. Some guys describe it like being on a ship. I think one described it as being in a tunnel. The way I described it was being outside or in your backyard digging for something. You're blindfolded. You don't know what you're looking for. You only know it when you see it, but there's a lot of things that are really close to it that you that are going to make you think it's it that are not it. And that that was how I felt. That's how I think the process works is like you only – you don't know what you're looking for, only you know you'll know it when you finally feel it. And yet there's so many 
parts of the process that are like, that are fool's gold, that you think you've got it and you don't have it. And so you have to keep looking. And that's so, so, and that'll make you question everything about yourself. Holy smokes, I hope you're taking notes. Unless you're driving, in which case that's very dangerous. Don't write and drive. Thank you, Pastor Whit, for joining us on the podcast. Again, that's only part one, everybody. We have a whole nother half that we have not even heard full of amazing content that we're going to be releasing in the next uh, month or so. So be looking out for that. I also want to let you know about something else that's very exciting. Uh, It's right around the corner. A lot of you have probably heard of it. It's called Christmas. We love Christmas here at Creative Sheep. We kind of go crazy for it. In fact, we made a rap video. It's called the Santa Shuffle. Do the Santa Shuffle. It's online. You can go check it out. Um, It's actually not the first rap video we've made, believe it or not. (laughs) We do that on a regular basis around here. Um, So go check it out. It's online. It's on YouTube. It's on our website. I believe we're going to give it away for free on our website here pretty soon. So uh, definitely go check that out. You can play it in your youth group, in your main service. You can play it in your lobby. It's available on iTunes. The whole shebang. So Santa Shuffle, check it out. Shameless plug. Uh, Also, something else that we did, it's called The Light. It's a video, uh, a powerful opener piece that you can play in your service. It's also available on our website. And then, of course, we have a whole section of Christmas stuff that we've made um, over the last few years. It's available. You can maybe put on some Kenny G and sip some hot cocoa while you browse through the videos. Uh, That's just an idea. If you want to stay up to date on all of the goings-on here at Creative Sheep, you can follow us uh, at creative underscore sheep on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creative Sheep Podcast brought to you by myself, Roman Johnson, Jared Hogue, and all the rest of the Creative Sheep crew. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, he popping right in. Ain't no stopping it, kid. Copping milk and cookies, spilling stockings right in. Floss, uh, looking like a true boss. Red suit, no tie for claws. Yeah, long beard like Sopha Claus. Yeah, but his beard white, cause he all rosiest cheeks, cause that whip so cold. Top it off with the cherry on the nose and red bag like duffel. Do it, do it, do the Santa shuffle. And the horns go.